Thanks for downloading this week's podcast from Crossroads. We are glad you took the time to listen. As you tune in today, if you need encouragement or prayer, please reach out to us by texting 864-288-1626. Or you can find out more information at our website, hope at crossroads.org. Spread the word to your friends. Let them know they can subscribe at Apple Podcasts or on Spotify. Videos of our messages are also online at hope at crossroads.org. And now, Here's this week's podcast. Hey, Crossroads. My name's Tyler Estes. Um, a little bit of my time at Crossroads. I um, I grew up there my whole life. It's really my home church. I uh, went through the children's ministry, which I don't remember a whole lot about, other than some of the people having the pleasure of changing my diaper. And uh, then I grew up in the youth ministry where I answered a call into ministry, had an incredible guy, Heath Carruth. I love you, brother. Um, Teaching me what it looks like to be an example, even in my young age, helped me flesh out my calling of ministry, ask hard questions, um, and uh, really helped me along that journey. I learned some things. some things that I should do in ministry. I learned some things that I shouldn't do in ministry. Uh, One thing that I shouldn't do is probably get in a wheelchair and ride down the church aisle on a Wednesday night right before my dad was coming upstairs from fellowship for the Wednesday night service. Not something um, that I should do, not my brightest time at Crossroads. And um, there's a lot of things that I learned to do, how to genuinely love people, how to encourage, how to support. And uh, now that I've accepted a full-time position to be a lead pastor here in Spartanburg, I look back my days at Crossroads and I'm thankful uh, because God was faithful in placing my family there so that you could help me grow and be a part of this great journey in this new chapter that I'm starting in my life today. Uh, I love you, Crossroads. I pray for you often and I hope to see you soon. Good morning, Crossroads. If you don't know me, my name is Hannah Satterfield. Um... I'm currently at school right now. I go to Southern Wesleyan University in Central South Carolina. I am a sophomore psychology major. I picked one of the hardest majors. I'm struggling. It's the second day of classes. Please pray for me. It's already really hard. (laughs) But um, so I grew up at Crossroads and I just wanted to tell y'all a little bit about what Crossroads has done for me. Um, I'm very thankful for Crossroads and what God has done in my life through the church. And growing up, our church has been like a second home to me. I have had many mentors and people that I could look up to. And I want to thank my dad for choosing Crossroads because the church has helped me with my walk with God and has helped me to become the person that I am today. And the church has also given me many life-changing opportunities mission trips, camps. I'm very thankful for all of those. And one of the biggest lessons I've learned through Crossroads is the importance of relationships and family. The people at Crossroads have been a family to my dad, sister, and I when we felt like our family was broken, and I am very thankful for that. And lastly, I just want to say to all the young parents here that this is the place for your children. They will be blessed by God in many ways. Just our church will pour into them just please get them involved in our church hey everyone this is robbie and i just wanted to share a few thoughts of what crossroads baptist church means to me i have many memories here and especially those where my dad mom and my brother and i sang in the church and those are memories that i will never forget 
Another tie that anchors our family here is we lost our first baby and she's buried in, in the church cemetery. And as you all know, just recently I lost my father, which has been one of the most difficult things in my life. But I think some of those um, things that happened in our lives recently has helped lead us back to this church. And I can't believe the outpouring of love and support and encouragement that this church has given me and my family during this difficult time. And I don't know of any other church that has that kind of compassion. And as you all know, you saw all five of my kids join the church two weeks ago. And hopefully within two weeks, we'll be able to baptize them. And as a parent, this is one of the most important goals is for our kids to be able to learn who Jesus Christ is and have them come in their heart. And I just hope that our family can do what this tractor does and learn to cultivate, plant, grow, and let God give the increase. And may God bless this church and its mission. And if we could all join together, let's go get to work. I asked Robbie about driving the tractor down the aisle, but I thought I might get in trouble. <laughs> I was nine years old, and I had the privilege to grow up in a home where my mom and dad loved Jesus. And they took me to church. They didn't just drop me off at church. They brought me to church, and they came with me to church. Uh, I learned about Jesus a lot in my home watching them, and I learned about Jesus a lot in the church family that I was a part of. I am primarily a product of those two things. A family who taught me about Jesus and a church family who demonstrated what Jesus looks like. I've had the privilege in the last 30 years of ministry to be in a lot of churches where unfortunately that has not been always the case. I left a lot of those churches wondering if there was even anybody in them that knew Jesus. Uh, when I was about 14, or actually about 9, I came down an aisle much like this in that church service, and I grabbed that pastor by the hand, really to be honest, because I saw a friend of mine the week before that who did the same thing, and I came down front and said, I want to do what he did. And he said, well, he came down the front to, to recognize that he needed Jesus and to join the church, and I said, great, that's what I want to do. And the main reason I want to do that, just to be really honest, is because most of you knew I grew up at First Baptist Spartanburg, and at that time there were about 2,000 people who came down the aisle, a lot of them grandmothers, and I was a young nine-year-old boy at the time, and I noticed the week previous that that friend of mine had his cheeks pinched and his head patted, and they all said, well done, and I thought, I want that. And so I walked down the aisle. Little did I know that had I something happened to me in the next few years, I really would not have gone to heaven because I didn't really know Jesus. I went through the motions and the ritual of joining a church, but my heart had never been transformed by the Lord Jesus Christ. And I got into my teenage years, and thankfully, when I was 14, a man named Sam Davis came to our church. And the reason that churches should heighten and put an emphasis on children's and youth ministries because the statistics are proof in the pudding that tell us, I think the last statistic I saw from the Billy Graham Association is that 90% of people who accept the Lord Jesus Christ do so before they turn 18 years of age. 
It's not that those of us who are older are unimportant. It's a, it's a statistical math thing. The truth is that most people who accept Jesus do before they're 18 years of age. When he came to our church at 14, he said, Hey, I want you to go with me to this camp. And I went to this camp thinking that I was a Christian, but hearing in that service what real transformation looks like, that there actually is a before you know Jesus, there's something that happens when you come to know Jesus, and there are results of coming to know Jesus that transform your life and change you. And I walked down the aisle in that youth service, and I remember at that service seeing teenagers, largely, there were some adults and youth leaders, but largely teenagers, young people, who were praising God, much like the song that we just sung, Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. The overwhelming presence of God, I'll be honest with you, there was never even a message that night. The Word of God was not even opened, if you can believe that. Did you know people can accept Jesus without there having to be a sermon? The Holy Spirit of God is powerful enough to convict. And there were teenagers flooding the altar, and the music went on for hours and hours. And teenagers like me were coming to know Jesus in that service. Fourteen years of age, I made that commitment and realized that what I did at nine was just going through the motions. Fast forward, I continued to grow in my faith because of a lot of people who poured in me and discipled me. I got involved in ministry. Some of you heard my story how I met Lynette, and she continued to support me in that work. And I've had the privilege to do a lot of things in a short amount of time. Some people who know me feel like they ask me often, have you had three or four lives? It seems like it. Because God has blessed me in an incredible way. But the key part of growing is allowing the Lord Jesus Christ to continue to work in your life. And realize even at 52, or 62, or 86, there's still room to grow. As long as your heart is beating and your breath in your lungs, there's still things that God has to teach you. That's my short testimony this morning. We're just going through the study of Ephesians, and we are trying to learn how to become a warrior for Jesus. And one of the tools that God gives us, if we've given our lives to Him, is the power of our testimony. And I have some friends this morning that are going to come share their testimony. So if you'll make your way on up here, Lacey's going to kind of start us off this morning and share what God's done in her life. Um, most of all, most of you all know who I am. Um, for those who are visiting or new members, um, my name is Lacey Carruth. Um, I have been a member here for 17 years. My husband is Heath. He is the student college and teaching pastor here. Um, Psalm 22:22 says, I will tell of your name to my brothers in the midst of the congregation. I will praise you. And Jack asked me to spend 30 minutes. <laughs> Um, just kidding, because um, in just a minute, I'm going to head up there with those precious preschoolers to do their large group, because I'm sure they're wondering where I, where I am. Um, my story isn't so different from many of y'all's who have um, shared it over the last year. Uh, I grew up in the church, and at 10 years old, during a vacation Bible school at my home church, I accepted Christ. Um, and I'm thankful for my parents and me having a close close family that supported me and encouraged me, close friends during that time who supported me and encouraged me during those years. And my story may not have or be a story of addiction or abuse or um, where I met Jesus at my rock bottom, but the same girl who was 10 years old as a sinner um, 
who wasn't perfect, who is not perfect, and who will never be perfect. In spite of what you think of me, Dave, I'm not perfect. Um, And just as the same God saved that 10-year-old little girl from her sins, the same God saves those who suffer from addiction and who has rougher stories. Um, As I continue to grow through my faith, um, through my adolescent years and even into my college years, I would say that my college years are probably the one, my, my, the years where I grew a lot in my faith. I was privileged and blessed to have a Sunday school teacher who um, taught God's word faithfully. And um, she was also teaching at the time and and had been for many years, taught precept Bible studies. And if you're not familiar with precept Bible studies, they are long, in-depth Bible studies. And so every Wednesday when they would meet, she would kind of condense everything that they had learned and brought it to Sunday school and taught our college and career class. And I was like a sponge. And I really absorbed everything that, you know, she was teaching. Um, And that's probably the first time where, you know, the words on the pages of the Bible was just not words on pages. They were alive. Um, Hebrews 4.12 tells us that the Bible is alive and active, and that's exactly what God was showing me. Um, I'm thankful that God led me to a godly husband who has a great heart and loves people and is compassionate and encouraging, and he's my biggest cheerleader, and he loves me even when I'm unlovable. Um, He loves me even though I don't love Clemson football as much as he does. Am I right? Um, but God has always, in our 17 years of marriage, he's always been faithful. Um, he hasn't always given us what we wanted, but he's always given us what we needed. Um, God has blessed us here at Crossroads with a church family who loves us and supported us and encouraged us. And has, they've done, y'all have done the same for our children. Um, and we're so thankful that y'all have always supported um, his ministry and supported the young kids and college kids, which brings me to where God is um, in my life right now. Um, I've always served in different roles in churches, even before you know I came here to Crossroads um, in different areas. And the last few years, God has kind of started bringing me more out of ladies' ministry, which I've been a part of for years and years and years. Um, and it's not that I don't think it's very important, because I really think that it's super important um, in, within our church. And, and I'm praying that God raises up new ladies um, to serve in that ministry. But God um, has really been laying on my heart to um, pour more into our children and our young adults. Um, as I told you, I'm the large group leader for the preschoolers. I've been large group leader for the last four years, maybe five years, um, and I absolutely love it. Um, if somebody was to go to Kayla right now and tell her that they're thinking about being the large group leader, I'd probably have to fight them for it um, because I love it. I love them coming every week learning their Bible verse and memorizing scripture. And um, by the fourth week of the month, I can ask them the stories of the first, second, third week um, that they learned, and they can just answer questions all the time. And it's just, it's just awesome to see. Um, on, usually on Wednesday nights and Sunday nights, you can find me hanging out with the youth 
And on Sunday mornings, the last few months, I've been hanging out with um, the college kids on Sunday mornings in their, in their small groups. And this summer, Heath and I met uh, every Tuesday night um, at Miss Tommy's house for, with our college kids for Bible study and for fellowship. And, um, you know, I just, I've always known that ministry, ministering to young kids is important. But God is showing me that it's an urgent necessity now. You know, if y'all haven't looked around at our world that we live in, it's changed. And it's changed in the 29 years that I've been alive. 29 years, did y'all catch that? Who, who now has to wear reading glasses, if, if you have noticed. Um, but I've just, like I said, God is just pouring into me that, you know, we need to be diligent about um, teaching and pouring into our young kids. Um, Deuteronomy 6, 5 through 9 and 11, 19, he's telling us how to do that. Um, and he's telling us how to love our God and serve him with all our heart, soul, and might. And scripture tells us that you shall teach my words to them diligently to your sons and shall talk to them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand. They shall be as frontals on your forehead. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. And basically he's saying you need to be intentional. Um, And that for the church may look like Bible studies or get-togethers or um, games or just having conversation with these young kids. Um, I'm here to tell you that if the church, and when I mean church, I mean parents, aunts and uncles, grandparents, friends, neighbors, co-workers, if we don't stand up and start pouring into these children, the world will. And the world has no problem teaching them lies, doubt, fear, division, hatred, you know, everything that the enemy stands for. Um, John 10.10 tells us that, you know, the enemy is here to kill, steal, and destroy. And I'm thankful that this church has always been faithful to our young kids. Many of you over the years have financially given so that kids could go to camp to mission trips, to conferences, and many of you have signed up to go on those trips. Y'all know what what it's like to go on those trips. Many of you take in these kids on fishing trips um, for outings, um, volunteered for lock-ins, bless your heart. I mean, ugh, lock-ins. You know, y'all have encouraged these kids to use and strengthen their, their spiritual gifts. Because if they can't do it in here, which, like I said, y'all have been faithful at putting them in roles within our church for them to strengthen those gifts. But if we can't do it in here, then it's going to be a lot harder for them to do that in the world they live in. And many of us have heard people say that the young people of the church is the future church. And I have to disagree. I say that the kids in the church are the church today. And so we need to remember that. Um, So that's where I am right now. Um, You know, I love you guys, and I'm I'm so thankful for you all and how much you've loved us. Um, I'm I'm excited about what God has done for this church and is going to do. Um, And with that being said, I'm going to head up and see my preschool friends. Awesome. Thank you, Lacey.
Good luck. Good luck. We'll be praying for you. Uh, I've asked some other friends if you want to make your way, and if you feel led this morning to share your testimony, we're just going to have kind of an open mic time to share what God's doing in your life. So uh, come on up, Miss Vicki. I know Beth Ann wanted to share hers, Alicia, and then we'll go from there and see what God's up to this morning. Good morning. That was good. <laughs> well, um, I'm excited about where our church is headed and um, you know how important what we do for the lives of children. Um, I was not privileged to grow up in church. Um, I think one of the things I always wanted was to actually sit in church with my parents. And I never had the opportunity to do that. So if you are a young person and you're here with your parents, you've got something special. And I thank you for that, that you're here and you brought them with you. I wish I'd had that opportunity. But I did have a wonderful aunt. My, um, I said I wasn't going to do this. My Aunt Mary Ellen Henderson, many of you might have known her, but she brought, um, come by my house every Sunday and pick me and my siblings up. Lord bless her. Um, and I was thinking about the words that I have written on these pages, or a few pages, rather. And, um, you know, when I was saved at age of 18, I couldn't have written a thing on the page because I didn't know anything. I didn't know the goodness of God, but through the years, I have learned how faithful he is to me and how faithful he's been to James and myself. We'll celebrate 50 years together next year, and I'm only 49. <laughs> uh, we've um, we brought both of our boys up in this church, Clark. <laughs> um, he has a beautiful family, Love you. And our beautiful grandchildren, Luke and Sarah, and my son Jake and his wife, Anna, they go to Origins in Greenville and are so faithful. And I'm so thankful that they're both faithful to their church. Um, I'm thankful for the mentors of this church that poured into me as a young 18-year-old, 50 years, 50, ooh, let the cat out of the bag there, didn't I? Uh, uh, 50 years ago that poured into me and learned, taught me how to be faithful. James's family taught me how to give. I didn't know anything about that. My, my family didn't give. Um, I remember being in the car with my cousins, and my Uncle Gary Lee would pass out their offering envelopes, nice, crisp offering envelopes, and they had a dollar in it. I was so jealous of that. And, you know, my parents would hand me whatever change they had in their pocket to give. And I said, if I ever live to tell about it, my envelope's not going to rattle one of these days. And I'm thankful to God that he has been so faithful to allow me to give back to him. James and I have served here for 50 years in one capacity or another. And I'm just so thankful that um, he's allowed us that honor. I can't even read this. Um, 
he's been faithful through to James and myself through the death of both of our parents. This church um, rallied around us in a time that was very hurtful uh, through the years. And if you have the privilege to have your parent here, do not take it for granted. Do not take it for granted. God is faithful. Um, I just thank him for allowing us to, to be servants. I was, I was thinking last night about how thankful I am. Aren't you thankful for health? James and I combined have 141 years of healthy living. He's got most of it, but <laughs> sorry about that. But 141 years of, of good health, you, you can't take that for granted. And I'm so thankful to God that he has been so good to us. Um, I think of the words of the great prophet Jeremiah, the words of God. He says, I know, I know the plans I have. Not Vicki and James know the plans, but he knows the plans that he has for us. Plans to prosper us and not to harm us. Do you understand what that means? Plans to prosper you and not to harm you, but to give you a hope and a future. I'm so thankful that 50 years ago that he gave us a hope and a future. And we continue, and it was, our future is still coming, at least I hope for another day or two. So God is good all the time. And all the time, thank you. Hello. Um, for those who don't know me, my name is Bethany Graham, and I think my story may be complete opposite from Vicky. I was I was so blessed. I grew up in a wonderful Christian home. Uh, my father made sure if the door to the church was open, no matter what the reason it was open, we were there. We were there as a family. We went to special things. We went to events. We went every Sunday. We never missed church or any special thing that they did. And um, there was a lot of us, so that took a lot of effort, especially when I was young. Um, I won't mention I got left there once, and they realized when they got home they were missing me, but it's okay. Um, I made it back home. He left my brother Ron once as well, left him going to church, and left him sitting out there already on the porch. But um, And my father, I, if, I got, if I woke up super early and I happened to go downstairs, the only light would be on in the kitchen, and my dad would be sitting in at the kitchen table with his Rice Krispies, usually his glasses hanging out of his mouth, with his daily bread and his Bible. That's where you found dad in the mornings, with his daily bread and his Bible. And my mom, she loved the Lord. It oozed out of every pore of her. Um, you would find her during the summers, you would find her just in the corner of the couch or on her rocking chair. She really didn't have time in the mornings getting all us up and around, but she always had her Bible on her lap. She was always reading something. She always had something to share. She spent years teaching Sunday schools and good news clubs after school and inviting the whole neighborhood of children. Um, day camps. Um, during the summer, we would be teachers at day camps. She Sunday school classes of many ages over the years. My mother loved the Lord. And at night, she would tell us stories. She would sing us songs um, about the Lord, about missionaries. 
Um, so it's no surprise that my salvation story begins um, when I was at home with my mama at my bedside when I was three years old, and I prayed and asked Jesus into my heart. And I, I don't remember a life without him. Um, when I was seven years old, I do remember going to a, a child evangelism fellowship. They had this huge rally, and I remember they gave the gospel, and as they were giving it, they were looking at people and saying, and today, today could be your day. You could write the date in your Bible today, and you could know today, on this date, you were saved. And I began thinking, I don't have a date. I, I have no clue what date I was saved. Am I really saved? I don't have a date. And so when they gave the altar call, I got up and I went forward. And I remember going back and talking with someone who assured me that, you know, it's, it's not about the date, although I did. I wrote that date in my Bible. It's not about the date. It's about whether I had asked the Lord to come into my heart. I realized I was a sinner. I accepted the free gift he gave me. And I recognized him as Lord of my life. And I had done that. And at this point, I have no clue what that date was. I don't know where the Bible got to. It's probably in a keepsake box somewhere. I don't have the date, but I know that I have my Savior. I know that he's with me because I talk to him every day. Many of you know I talk a lot. I do talk to him quietly, so I don't drive people nuts when I'm out shopping. But I talk to him all the time, and if I'm patient enough to listen, he talks back. And I can hear his voice. And the Holy Spirit is with me to guide me. If I'm going to make a really dumb decision or I try to take something out of God's hands because I can do it better, he's there to nudge me and say, no, my plans are different. And I had to laugh. Vicki and I, um, I think we're, we're kindred spirits. We, we work out together all the time. We're partners all the time. And we had the same verse that I was thinking of from Jeremiah. Because my plans for my life were very different. I was born in Pennsylvania. I grew up in Pennsylvania. I thought I'd spend pretty much the rest of my life in Pennsylvania. Um, but after I graduated um, from Philadelphia College of Bible, which was also different, I didn't plan to go there for school, um, when I graduated, my sister was getting married in a few months, and she said, come live with me for a few months until we get married. And I was like, okay, I can do that. Um, I had gotten a degree to be a teacher and also a degree in Bible, and I was like, I can wait a year. I'll start teaching next year. So I came down, moved in with my sister, and um, I was getting ready to head back home to Pennsylvania, find myself a teaching job, uh, when my brother, my, one of my oldest brothers, took me to a volleyball game, which I was horrible at, and wanted me to meet a friend of his, and instead I met someone else. We just happened to sit our stuff next to someone named Shane Graham. So I thought, you know, and kind of like him, and two days later, he gave me a call and said, hey, do you want to come with me to my church? I go to Crossroads Baptist Church. We can go to church, and then we can go out to play some mini golf, and I'll take you out for supper. Well, that was the beginning and the end. <laughs> I never went back to Pennsylvania. I said, I'll just wait a month to let my apartment complex know I'm coming back home, and I, I've never come back home. God, God knew the plans for me. He knew the perfect person for me. He knew the best church um, for us to be in. Um, we got married in that sanctuary back in 97, and we've been here ever since. Both of my girls um, were born um, here. Um, they grew up through the kids' ministry, through the youth ministry, and I'm so thankful that they've always, they've always had someone there to guide them so it's not just 
on the parents. I'm so blessed I had my parents, and I wanted to be the same thing for my children, but as Vicki shared, not, not everybody has their parents who are there for them and encourage them. And I'm so thankful that my girls had that encouragement um, to just really see them grow. And I've seen both of them grow so much. Um, my oldest, many of you know, is at Anderson University. And I love seeing her getting closer and closer to the Lord. Um, she has a home church there that she's already started volunteering. She works with Hope Kids um, at Hope Church down in Anderson. And I was able to visit with her one Sunday. And it, too, is a beautiful church who loves their kids, who encourages. And I'm so thankful she found somewhere for when she's um, away at college. And Chloe is also a junior, I have two juniors, and seeing her grow up has just been an amazing blessing. And I'm so thankful for the displays that she shows of what the Lord has done for her when she stands up for friends, when she thinks about others, when she's kind, when she's giving, when she's loving. I just, I'm so thankful that she has the encouraging of the church to encourage them as they go. And through the years at Crossroads, we have been through a number of expansions and growth and at the time it may have been a little scary but God has has been with us every single time and has just truly blessed this church and I am so excited for the plans he has um, for our future he wants to prosper us he knows better for us than what we could even imagine and so we just need to trust him and actually take the time to be patient and listen to him Okay, I guess I'm the one with the baggage. <laughs> but um, my name is Alicia Zook, for those of you um, who, don't know, who don't know me. And um, I'm originally from Bristol, Tennessee. And um, I'm going to take you to the past, present, and I don't know about the future. But um, in my past, I had some trauma. I'm not going to mention that now. But that trauma stayed with me until I was 10. My parents, finally I was able to discuss with my parents, and they were the protector um, of me. And after that, I didn't have to to go through that trauma anymore. And the reason being with that trauma, it hindered me from a lot of things in my schooling. I couldn't read um, until, oh, wow, I don't know, maybe second, third grade. Um, Math wasn't good at, so school was not my my go-to place. I wasn't secure there. Um, I grew up in a Christian home. I was at church a lot. My mom would sing at night, and I would roll down the, I don't know if you remember this, but I would roll down the sanctuary and, you know, where that, in remembrance of me with the communion table that used to be in Tennessee, I would get underneath there and play while she was singing. So my life revolved around church, um, which was nice and secure for me. Um, So throughout that time, I struggled. Um, At the age of 18, um, another trauma came to my life. And um, it was my dad and mom got a divorce. And um, my parents were very, very um, active in the church. My dad was a deacon, if that means anything. Um, And um, it really crushed me. And throughout my time as a kid, I always had fear in my life due to my past. And not only that, I would, you know, come down to the altar all the time and get saved or pray. And um, so at 18, I, I rebelled, I guess. 
a little more. I know I don't feel like I was too bad of a kid, but you know, I, I did some kind of bad things. Um, but anyway, at 18, uh, daddy left and me and mom were at the house. Well, we met this couple, Jonathan and Angela Cox in Bristol, Virginia. And um, they just came into our lives and the church body did and just loved on us immensely. So I made a deal with him, a bet with my pastor, that if I had a day off of work, now let's go back a little bit. I was told by my senior teacher that I should quit and get my GED. I was the only one in my family that had even was thinking about graduating. And um, praise God, he protected me, and I didn't listen to her. I moved to a different school and found one teacher. I haven't had a lot of people to speak a whole lot into me. One teacher found potential. So through that, I graduated. So Jonathan and Angela, we made a bet that if I was off, he would take me to Gardner-Webb and North Greenville University. So just so happened, I was off that day. So he drove us up, me and my mama, went to North Greenville, and I just felt like that was the place for me. Well, a few months later, it was. I got accepted, so I went, and I was alone. Now, remember, all through this, I'm struggling with my faith. I'm playing the game. I'm actually in some leadership forms, and I didn't know this, but Jonathan and Angela, the Holy Spirit, just really told them to pray for me and pray for about, about my salvation. No one but my mom knew that at night I would go to bed, and I didn't know. I was scared. I didn't know if I was going to go to heaven or hell. And, you know, everybody would say, oh, that's just Satan. That's, and, you know, hey, it could be. But I want to tell you today that if you're going through that struggle, then you got to get it right. Whether it's Satan or whether you're not saved, you need to get it right today. So you don't have to lay your head on your pillow and no, or que even question of where you're going when you die. So I went to North Greenville, and I had a great friend that was very vocal for the Lord who just flat out looked at me square in the face and said, her name was Alicia, Heath knows her, you know, Alicia, are you saved? And I just got so mad and slammed the door, ran to my room, and I called my mom and just started crying. And my mom was like, honey, you have been dealing with this for years. You, you've got to pray or do something to, to get over this. Well, I guess, I don't know, a few weeks later, I went to a Rick Gage um, conference for um, college students. And um, in that, on that conference, God would just kept allowing people throughout the weeks to come to me, and um, I was just very unsettled. And I was praying, and I was actually close, I was up front. I don't know how I became up front, because I was always sitting in the back. But anyway, I started shaking. And it was like the Lord said, this is it in my heart. You're going to nail this. You're going to get this right. So I started thinking, and this is what brought me to the conclusion that I really was not saved. My past, I would do things that were very wrong, and I didn't care. I really did not care. I didn't care that I wanted to commit suicide. I'm sorry. I didn't care whether I got drunk and in jail. (laughs) 
And I felt bad because I was taught that it was wrong. But I never realized it was wrong and it was a sin to my Lord and Savior and that he hurt because I did these things and that he loved me. It wasn't what my mom and dad had taught me. That's great and all, but this was the Savior who wanted me, who wanted me to be with him and who cherished me, even though I felt like I was dumb and stupid and, you know, not worth anything. And um, so I got saved. And um, I knew beyond a shadow of a doubt because my life actually changed. Now, I screw up constantly. I screw up all the time. My daughter will tell you. She'll be happy to tell you how much I screw up. And, um, you know, I'm not perfect. But I remember when I came home that night, my, my life truly changed. And from that day on, I'm a different person. And I remember I did something. I don't know. It was something stupid. Um, that I did, and um, sin, sinful, but I got back home in my room, and I just felt so ugly and disgusting, and then I started crying, you guys, and I thought, this is it. I think Mama even called you up and told you about this. I don't know if you remember or not, but um, I was crying, and I realized that's what sin feels like. That is what sin feels like. And praise God, I feel that, and I know I am redeemed. And from that moment on, the Lord has just worked, I mean, a ton in my life. He's given me wonderful family, a Christian um, mother and father-in-law, a Christian husband. Um, I'm a teacher now, graduated from North Greenville College at that time, and... um, He's just brought me out of a lot. We came here to Crossroads. I think Zoe was in second grade. So we've been here about eight years. And um, through that, my husband was a deacon in the past. And we had a really hard time in the last church that we attended. Loved it. Was there for 10 years. It was, it was our family. And when you're an only child and you don't have family members here, it, it's hard to, to get in. And that was our family. Well, they split up, and um, Jeff was a deacon, and I just, I was ready to run. Forget this. I'm running. Let's go visit somewhere else. And he was like, no, God called me. We're going to stay here until my deaconship is over. And he helped with the church and with making the bylaws, all this stuff. Well, I was rebelling about that. Um, But thank God, finally, his deaconship was over, and um, God taught us through that season in our life, we moved up here and we came to Crossroads. And um, I was like, I'm never going to be a deacon's wife again. And someone was like, well, Alicia, once you're a deacon, you're always a deacon. Once you're a deacon's wife, you're always a deacon's wife. It's really not that big of a deal. And, um, but, you know, to me, it, it was because that's leadership. And I met you folks and we were talking and as much as we loved the past pa- pastor, we loved him. But um, we joined because of the church and the body. We joined because of the love that we felt here and still feel here. And um, so we joined, and God has been using us. God gave us someone, actually gave money to, for my family so we could go on a mission trip. And I don't know who you were, but thank you. Because I had prayed that Zoe 
at 10 would get to go on a mission trip. Well, she's 14, and that prayer came true. And um, we all went um, to the DR, and it was wonderful. And I'm so thankful for that privilege. And um, I'm going to claim we're going back again um, because it made a huge impact in my life. I'm a Christian school teacher now. I'm able to preach (laughs) the word to the kids. I work in the kids' ministry. And when I look at those faces, I'm just so thankful that I'm able to tell them about the Lord and who God made them and that they're made in his image and that he has a plan for them. And I know that this building fund is scary. I know it's scary to Jack and Lynette and all the pastors here, but we also serve a mighty God. And I was just thinking, you know what? Maybe we should just leave our hands open because I've seen it at school and I've seen it in my life where money has just been given to where we haven't had to do anything and God just shows up, and what a blessing. And so I'm ready for God to show up here. I'm ready for revival. Um, and I just appreciate you taking the time to listen to me and uh, being a part of, of our family. And, um, and I just first and foremost thank the Lord because it was the church that prayed. It was a brother and sister in Christ that felt the Holy Spirit that needed to pray for my salvation. And so I just encourage you, if you're questioning, just pray, and I truly believe that God is going to allow people to come in your life, and you're going to get that settled, because at times, it's hard when you grow up in a a church. You just automatically think, hey, I'm a Christian, Um, but you've got to make that step, and um, you've got to be changed, because once Jesus transforms your life, no matter what has happened in the past, and... um, So I just appreciate your attention today and just think on that. I'll be praying for those who have kind of questioning in your mind. Thank you. If you would, would you you stand with me just for a moment? I was taught that the brain can only handle as much as the seat can sustain. So some of you I know are worried about the clock. We're not having small groups today, so you're okay. But we are going to wrap up our service in, within the next five to ten minutes. So kind of stretch for just a little bit. When you, when you feel like the blood is running again, then you can, you can have a seat for just a second. I uh, am so grateful for, uh, for the testimonies that were shared. And uh, you can have a seat. I, I just want to read these verses to you. And if you want to pull out a piece of paper and a pen this morning, I would encourage you to do this because every person who says they know Jesus should be able to do what they did. You may not feel like you have the gift of speaking. To be honest with you, I don't really have the gift of speaking. You may be shy like Moses. I'm not saying you have to come up in front of a group of a couple hundred people, but all of us should be able to articulate what God has done in our, in our life if we know Jesus. It's kind of like being an eyewitness. If you see an accident happen and you're watching it, you can take, give the statement to the officer, well, that car pulled out in front of them. and this. You can be an eyewitness. You can give a testimony. That's all a testimony is. It's not, we think in the church, it's kind of a fancy thing. It's just saying, this is what Jesus has done in my life. 
And last week we talked about in Ephesians 1, there are a lot of tools that God's given us. And, and though Alicia and, and Beth Ann and maybe Vicky and maybe you feel today that you're worthless and you don't, God doesn't, you, know, you don't deserve God's love, the tools that we learned about last week is that's not true according to the Word of God. You are chosen. You're adopted. You're blameless. You're forgiven. You're a catalyst for God's praise. The world will praise God because of what they see in you and me. That's huge. Those are great tools to be a warrior for Jesus. But the other tool that we read about in the book of Revelation is the way that the church will overcome is by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. And that's why testimony is so important. That's why it'd be fine with me if we just did this till 6 o'clock tonight. I know some of you want to go get lunch. I understand. But we live in such a rapid pace in our culture that we don't allow what just happened for about 15 minutes to happen enough. I don't know if you felt it listening to them share, but I started feeling this faith rising up in me when I started hearing what God had done through other people. I think one of Satan's greatest tools in his toolbox is silence. If I can just get Christians to be quiet and not talk about how good God is, what God's done in their life, how God's helped them overcome, I can help them feel defeated, dismayed, disappointed, and I win. Because the devil knows he can't take your salvation if you're a Christian. He can take the joy of your salvation, but he can't take your salvation. So Ephesians chapter 2, just the first few verses for sake of time, first 10 or 12 verses, listen as Paul shares how he was before Jesus, how he came to know Jesus, what has happened because he knows Jesus. He says this, I was dead, basically you were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you formerly walked according to the course of the world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. Among them we too all formerly lived in the lust of our flesh, indulging the desires of our flesh and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath. All of us, before we came to know Jesus, that's who we were. I don't know about you, but I see some of the evil happening in the world, and I want to get really angry, and that's okay, and I want to get really upset, and that's okay. But I have to realize that all those people who are acting that way before Christ, I once was one of them. But what happened? Well, he tells us, verse 4, But God, the two most powerful words in the Bible, But God, being rich in mercy, because of His great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ, and raised us up with Him, and seated us with Him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, in order that in the ages to come, He might show the surpassing riches of His grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, not of yourselves, lest anyone anyone should boast. But it is a free gift of God, not as a result of our works. Verse 9, no one should boast. Verse 10, for we are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Just real quick, there's, there's four points. To a testimony. The first one is before Christ. Some of us maybe have known Jesus so long we've forgotten before Christ. Some of us maybe were young and there's not a lot before Christ. That's okay. But I would encourage you, especially if you've been a believer for a long time today, go home and write down how you were before Jesus. It'll be a great reminder 
Because when you see that transformation, which is the second part, how you accepted Christ, where did it happen? I shared with you, for me, it was at Anderson College at a, at a youth camp. You heard the rest of them share different places where they came to know Jesus, where Jesus spoke to them and they ch- their life was changed. There was transformation. And then what is happening now? See, the after part is very important. What is God doing now? And for some of us that have been a Christian a long time, it's not enough that, well, I was a sinner and I was dead in my transgressions. Yes, that's true, as God's Word says. And I came to know Jesus. Yes, that's true. And now I'm going to go to heaven. That's great. But my friend, if you have been a believer for 15, 20, 30 years, and the only thing that has happened for you since you came to know Jesus is you can only say, I'm going to heaven, you've missed out on a lot of the things that should be happening on your walk with Christ. It's called sanctification. It's called growing more in your walk with Jesus, growing in holiness, growing in understanding of Him. Otherwise, you've heard this before, I'm sure. Otherwise, you're just counting on fire insurance. You're just counting on, yes, I've accepted Jesus, and the only reason I accepted Jesus is so I won't burn in hell. That's a great reason, by the way, to accept and receive Christ. But my dear friends, there is, that's, that's just minimal. There is so much more that comes along with being a Christian. And you heard that a lot of that in those testimonies that were shared, what God does in your life. And how He changes you, how He transforms you, and how He works in your life. How He gives you mercy and grace and reminds you that you're chosen and that you're adopted and that you're loved. And that you're put on display It's almost like a trophy case. God takes you as a child of God and puts you in His trophy case for all the world to see so that they will give glory to Him. So I would encourage you to to pull out a sheet of paper, maybe mentally in your mind right now, go through that process, and let me ask you this question. Has there ever been a time, has there ever been that number two, that, that change where you came to know Jesus? You don't have to know the date. Like Beth Ann said, I can't remember the date. I know how old I was. I can take you to the very chair in the auditorium in Anderson, South Carolina, the very row, the very chair, and say, right there in that spot is where I really surrendered all of myself to Jesus. I can take you to the spot. Some of you might not remember the spot. That's okay. The point is, has there been a transformation? Do you look different? If I weighed 700 pounds, and I went on a diet for a year, and I came in here at 700 pounds and said, let me tell you guys about this diet I've been on. You would look at me like, well, it, 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 ain't, it ain't working. It ain't working. There would have to be some change for you to believe that what I was using and what I had and what I was talking about was working. There would have to be some kind of change, right? I think a lot of times the world out there is not interested in our Jesus because they look at us and they're like, wow, if you've come to know Jesus and you've, I've known you for several years, I'm not seeing a lot of change. Is there transformation? I see transformation in our church, and I see transformation in you, and that makes me grateful. You know, the other thing that maybe today will cause each of us to do is number, the number four thing I would say about our testimony, and that is remember, yesterday was a very important day in the life of our country and our world. I didn't forget. I hope you didn't forget. As much as remembering 9-11 is important, it's also important to remember our walk with Jesus and remember what we were before how we came to Christ, what's happening now. But as I was thinking about today, I came across a story of a young man named Soho John. He moved here from India in 2001. 
with his wife and with 50 bucks. And he got on an airplane and he landed in New York City in February 2001 looking for a fresh start and a better future from India because he had been promised all the great things that come with living in the greatest country in the face of the planet, America. And he got on that plane and he got to New York City and he and his start, wife started looking for jobs and he found the job finally on the 81st floor of the World Trade Center. His wife found a job on the other tower on the 72nd or 73rd floor. I want you this morning to hear his testimony and to hear his story. How guilty am I? How guilty is Sujo John of keeping the greatest cause known to mankind to myself and watch a world die around me without you? I began to realize that this country founded on nothing less and nothing more but the gospel of Jesus Christ was in a great deep need of a spiritual renewal and revival. I began to realize that in my generation, Christianity has been misunderstood, misrepresented, misquoted as a, as a religion. And religion has kept millions of people away from Him. So I said, God, I'm done chasing my dreams and my goals. From tonight on, I want to be doing that which is on your heart for my life. I want to be a proclaimer of the good news of Jesus Christ. I want to share this gospel with men and women, boys and girls who are far away from this message. And wherever that is, whether it be India or America or the ends of the world, I'm now convinced that the greatest message, the gospel of Jesus Christ, is the answer to everything that this world needs. He tells a story that it was 8.30 and he was standing by a fax machine. We don't use those much anymore, faxing a document to one of the other headquarters in Philadelphia when he heard the plane hit above him and began to hear people scream and began to smell the fuel from the airplane. And the building started swaying and he thought he was going to die. And he and the people on his floor began to run to the stairwell. And as they run to that stairwell, he said the only thing that he could think about was his wife in the other tower. When he finally got to the bottom of the steps is when the building started collapsing. All the dust was waving. He was grabbing his phone, trying to make a phone call, trying to reach out to his wife. And it fell down in the rubble. And he goes to share the story that a lady, lady somewhere beside him grabbed his phone and said, Tell me your wife's number. Tell me your wife's number. He said before he could dial the number, the phone rung. And it was his wife on the other end. She had been running a little bit late for work. And she had not gotten into that second tower, thank the Lord. He was able to find her, and long story short, as they reconnected, and after that experience, God radically transformed their life, and now he travels around the world telling people about the power of Jesus Christ. Incredible testimony. My friend, guess what? You have an incredible testimony. You have an incredible testimony. If Jesus has changed your life, you have a testimony. So this morning, I would just ask you a few questions as we, as we close this morning, and that is, do you have a testimony? Do you know your testimony? Has there been a before Christ in your life? And if there has, are you sharing that testimony? Are you keeping that testimony quiet? The old Bible school song, Hide It Under a Bushel? No, I'm going to let it shine. See, the interesting thing about your testimony and the testimonies we heard this morning, your testimony is not for you. 
Your testimony is for the church. So whatever you've been through, whatever's happened, I know it's happened to you and it's been, you've, you're the one that's been through it, but it's for other people to be encouraged and to grow in their faith. So the first question I'd ask you this morning is, do you have a testimony? Have you said yes to Jesus? If you haven't, in just a minute, we're going to have a song of invitation. And we call it that because it'll be a time to invite you to respond to Jesus. And this morning, as you've heard us talk, and maybe you've heard some of the people share, and you're kind of thinking through the timeline of your life, maybe your heart is saying there's never been a time where you have had transformation where you've said yes to Jesus. I would beg you, I would plead for you to surrender your life to Christ today. For those of us that know Jesus, I'm challenging you to go out this week in the world and share Jesus with one person. Our culture, as you heard in a testimony, is radically different. Personal opinion, I'm not sure it works to stand on the preach corner and wave a Bible anymore. That's my opinion. It's just, a, just an opinion. I might be wrong. What I think tends to work best is building a relationship with people that may not know Jesus and letting them see that you're, they're not a project, that they're not on your, li your list, that you're just trying to put a check mark that you've helped share Christ with somebody, but you, you genuinely love them and you care about them. And as you do, they get more transparent with you and you're able to share with them the truth of what Jesus has done in your own life. For some of us, that's a long-term commitment. It's easy to go door-to-door -door evangelism. We don't do that as much anymore. We should. But for some of us, maybe today you've been challenged to go out in the world and share your testimony with somebody. You know, one of the, one of the things that, the thoughts that I couldn't help but think sitting and listening to those testimonies, and, and if you were paying attention, you heard it in every single testimony. What was it? The power of the church. I'm so proud of this church. I am so proud of this church. I cannot wait to see what God is going to do. Because there are people so hungry for authentic, genuine people that care and concern. And just because there's a sign out front and it says church doesn't necessarily mean they're going to find it in that building. But they'll find it right here. They'll find it in this church. I thank God for that. And maybe this morning you're like, you know what? I, I, I have found it in this church and I need to put my roots in this church. I need to plant myself here in this church. In just a minute, when we sing this invitation, you're going to have an opportunity to come join this church. I know some of you have been here for a long, long time, and maybe we already think you're a part, but maybe officially you just need to make it official this morning. I hope you'll do that today. Because in my short time here, this is a church that loves people and loves God. And my friends, my, my dear friends, I would tell you this morning, as long as we keep those two things central, the devil does not have a chance. Let's pray together. Lord, I thank you so much for the testimonies that we've heard today. I thank you for the testimony of your word. As we see what Paul says, that he was dead in his transgressions. That he was a stranger to God. That he was lost. But God, because of his richness and mercy and his grace and his forgiveness... But God, He's been changed. He was changed, and we can be changed. Thank You for the power of that, Lord, today. I pray if there's anybody in this place who's never said yes to Jesus, Lord, that today would be the day that they would bow the knee and they would say, Yes, Lord Jesus, I need You.
For those of us that do know you, Lord, I pray we would take a serious inventory and we would ask ourselves, Lord, you've given us a story. You've given me a testimony. Who can I share it with? Who can I share it with? My friend, I'm going to ask you where you are seated. Would you just continue to pray? With nobody looking around this morning, I just want to ask that question again. Have you said yes to the Lord Jesus Christ? Is there an old life and a transformation and a new life? If not, would you just cry out to the Lord right now and say, Lord Jesus, would you save me? Would you make me new? Would you make me alive in Christ Jesus? If that's the prayer of your heart today and you've never done that before, you just slip up your hand so I can pray for you. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to ask you to come to the front. I'm not going to get anybody to gather around you. Just right there in your seat. If, would you just be honest with the Lord? If you need to say that today, would you just slip up your hand so I can pray for you today? Anybody in this place? Father, thank you. I pray, Lord, you'd have your way during this time of invitation. We give this to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you would, if you'd stand, if you need to make some decision for Christ, I'll be here. Our teaching pastor, student pastor Heath will be here. If you need to come and be a part of this church family, I'd love to meet you down here this morning. Let's sing together. We hope you've been challenged and inspired from today's message from Crossroads. You can find out more about the message you have heard today by visiting our website, hope at crossroads.org. If you live in the upstate South Carolina area and you're looking for a church home, we hope you'll come by and visit sometime. Details about our church and service times can also be found online. The last year has been one of chaos and confusion, and we know many have become isolated and lonely. You can get Pastor Jack's new book, The Loneliness Solution, Finding Meaningful Connection in a Disconnected World, a great resource that will help you, or you can give to a friend who might be struggling. This resource is also available at hope at crossroads.org. Thanks again for listening, and we hope you'll tune in again next week.